You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. He is risen. Amen, amen. So today is Easter Sunday. Oh, I can appreciate that. I can. Absolutely. That's what I love about children, and that's what I love about being in a church that includes children, is children teach us. Children sometimes say the quiet things out loud, right? They sometimes say what we're, what we're really feeling, especially if it hasn't been the kind of season we had hoped it had been in our lives. Which is really what Holy Week is about, right? On Palm Sunday, Jesus triumphantly enters the city riding on a donkey of peace. On Holy Monday, Jesus enters the temple and flips the tables of injustice brought on by religious and political power and greed. On Holy Tuesday, Jesus goes back to the temple and is challenged by leaders in a debate over the meaning of Scripture and, of course, wins the debate. On Holy Wednesday, Jesus is anointed by Mary in Bethany. On Holy Thursday, Jesus washes his disciples' feet, shares a last supper with them, and is betrayed by a friend, abandoned by the rest of his friends, and arrested. And then on Good Friday, in the darkness of the day, Jesus is crucified, executed as an enemy of the state. And on Holy Saturday, Jesus lay in a tomb, buried and dead. His disciples living in the tension of all of that lament, wondering if everything they had given up, everything that they had believed, everything that they had given their lives to, all of the struggle, their confession that Jesus is the one. They wondered in that moment on Saturday, if it was worth it, as they sit in between the tragedy and what they did not know would be the triumph. But then, in only a matter of hours, Jesus got up. He is risen. Oh, come on now. You got to know the cues by now, church. He is risen. And everything is different now. And that's what we say. The resurrection of Christ invites us to believe that a different kind of life is possible now. That God's reign is unmistakably at work in the world. And if God's reign is at work, then God's power is at work too. The reign of sin and death no longer holds us captive. We feel it. We know it's here, but it no longer holds us captive. Death no longer has power over us. Death's grave and all of its death-dealing ways has opened up to new life. Wake up. That's what Easter tells us. Easter says, wake up, beloved. Easter asks, do you believe now that you are awake? Fear no longer has to have power over love. Love actually can drive out fear. Violence no longer has to be our only option. The way of peace actually has been established. 
The disordered loves that we often pursue, what the scriptures call the vices, are those seven deadly sins like pride and lust, greed, wrath, envy. They no longer have to have power over us. Love has been reordered. We no longer have to live according to the rules of this land of broken promises where we call evil good and good evil, where we mistake darkness for light and light for darkness, where we call bitter sweet and sweet bitter, where we think war leads to peace and peace leads to war. They tell us that we should love with caution and restraint. They tell us that we should welcome and include only those we have deemed worthy. They tell us that if we are to do this well, that we have to understand that every single person is irreversibly categorized between labels, classes, races, genders, sexual preferences, and other identity markers. That's what they tell us. And all of these categories and all of these labels are set up as the primary lens through which we see ourselves and our neighbors. And all they do is deal out anxiety, fear, injustice, and violence. But then there's Easter. Come on, y'all got to help me preach. Mama Verna, help me out. God has unleashed a liberating love so powerful that the world will never be the same. God in Christ shows us that he loves without caution or restraint. He finds everybody worthy and welcomes them and includes them. God in Christ shows us that the only power at work in this world that is capable of changing us is the power of self-giving, peacemaking, always welcoming, always forgiving love. God in Christ shows us what love looks like from a manger in Bethlehem to the neighborhoods of Galilee to the Garden of Gethsemane to the Hill of Calvary. God shows us that no love has the power to overcome the Christ who woke up and the Christ who got up. Our lives, if we believe Easter, are to never be the same. And those of us who have confessed that Jesus is risen king now share in God's life. And we say we've been rescued by this love. We say that this is the love we have been liberated by, that we believe in this same love. And we say that, and if we say that, then we have to say we have an understanding of a new kind of power. That there's a new kind of power at work, a kind of power of God's Holy Spirit living in each one of us that expresses the power of God in relational, deep, soulish ways in the form of the fruit of the Spirit called love, peace, joy, and kindness. And you get the rest. Rather than fear, anxiety, violence, and meanness. That's the world's kind of power. When you see someone confess Jesus as Lord and they're expressing that confession in the form of fear, anxiety, violence, and meanness, you are not seeing the power of God at work. You are seeing a pre-resurrection power. Why do we sometimes then feel the same? If all of this is true, if we belong to a different day, if we belong to a different reign, if we belong to a different power, if we belong to a different view of life and what it means to be truly human, the kind of human that God became in Jesus, if we belong to a different kind of movement that is able to subvert, subsist, and stand beneath all and against all others, if we believe that that's true, then why is it we sometimes feel the same? Almost as if Easter didn't happen. Why are so many of us still fearful 
anxious, supportive of violence, and sometimes just plain mean. Maybe it's because there is a contradiction at work in the world. And it is a contradiction to the power of the Easter confession. It's also a contradiction that many of us give a lot of our time to with our commitments to Twitter and Facebook and media outlets that just affirm our beliefs. Easter reveals all of this and calls it what it is, a false power in the land of broken promises. Now, it has been said by people much smarter than me, which may not be saying much, that theology is an invitation to wake up, to be mindful and attentive. And if that is true, and I do believe it is, then all of Christian belief in theology hangs on Easter. Without resurrection, there is no waking up because there is no rising up. And if Jesus didn't wake up and get up, then we don't wake up and we can't get up. But Jesus woke up and Jesus got up. Here's the question. Will we? Easter wakes us up to a new world full of wonders and raises us up to participate in. Easter wakes us up and raises us up from our apathy. Easter wakes us up and raises us up to see how the resurrection of King Jesus actually did unleash a new kind of life of power and love and even hope. And all other forms of life and love and power and hope have been revealed for what they are, just empty. And so Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 13, when he said, everything exposed by the revelation light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is life. Therefore, it is said, awake, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We got to wake up, y'all. Easter is that reminder on day 365 that flows from the last Easter that we got to wake up. We got to wake up if we're going to rise up. And we got to see the power of God at work in the world and at work in us. Do we believe that darkness can turn to light? Do we believe that pain can turn to purpose? Do we believe that brokenness can turn to beauty? Do we believe that ruin can turn to redemption? Do we believe that tragedy can turn to triumph? Do we believe that because death has opened up to new life? Do we believe it? And sometimes it is hard to believe. So can we come to Jesus and say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. That's how the American soul and R&B singer Harold Melvin in his Blue Notes put it. Thought we could have done that on Sunday, but I don't think we could pull that off. Easter wakes us up. And raises us up to overcome the lullabies of false hopes and false freedoms. 
that lead us away from the power that we confess we believe in because of our risen King Jesus. And it is why the Apostle Paul called Christians in Ephesus to wake up, but he thought it was so important that he said the same thing to Christians who were living in the center of world power. Christians living in the heart of empire. He wrote the Christians living in Rome. And you know what he said to them? The same thing. He said, wake up. He said, Romans 13, verse 11, you know what time it is. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your sleep. Now our salvation is nearer than when we had first had faith. The night is almost over. Hold on, beloved, the night is almost over. The day is near. So let's get rid of the actions that belong to the darkness. The actions that belong to a pre-resurrection life. He says, and put on weapons. You hear this though? Weapons of light. Not weapons of darkness. That's a, whole, that's a whole different sermon in and of itself. Weapons of light. Let's behave appropriately as people who live in the day. Not in the partying and getting drunk. Not in sleeping around and obscene behavior. Not in fighting and obsession. Instead, dress yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that means? To dress yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. To put on the clothes of Christ. That is a willful choice we have to make every day when we put our feet to the ground. Because in a world of fear and anxiety and violence and we are filled with the Holy Spirit to live a life of love, joy, and peace, we have some choices to make. And if we will make the choice, the Spirit of God will give us the power to live in a choice even if we are moving through the darkest valley or standing on the highest mountaintop. He says, instead, dress yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and don't plan to indulge your selfish, selfish desires. Beloved, we got to wake up. It's Easter. It's the highest holy day of the calendar. It is the day upon which all of our faith turns. It's the day upon which all of history was reinterpreted. A day upon in which all the future was changed. And so what do we do once we wake up? Once we rise up? Now I've been thinking about that because I have still been thinking about if Easter's true, why do we always feel the same? So what do we do then when we wake up and we rise up? Well, I thought, well, maybe there's a question that we have to ask. And the question is, now that you are awake and now that you have arisen with the Christ who woke up and who was risen, the question we got to ask is, what are we doing with our eyes? What are we looking for? That's the question. What are you looking for? And I think about that question. Because in John chapter 1, verse 38, the first word spoken by Jesus is, what are you looking for? And then in John chapter 20, verse 15, the first word spoken by Jesus after the resurrection are, you ready? Who is it that you're looking for? So you know what the question of Easter is? Because we already are awake. What are we looking for? Or maybe even more specifically, who are we looking for? Where do you really think hope is found? Where do you really think peace and wholeness, happiness, security, freedom, purpose, 
love? Where do you really think it's found? That's the question of Easter. Easter reminds us that humanity's always been looking for something. In a clever way, it's a truth highlighted in this beginning and end of John's gospel because we are always looking for something, and it's when we are looking for something that isn't Jesus that we are lulled back to sleep. We're chasing smoke. You know what smoke can do? It can choke you. But you know what eventually happens to smoke? It goes away. You can't bottle smoke. You can't keep smoke. That's the false hopes. That's the false promises. That's the false allegiances that a land of broken promises offers. What are we looking for? Because it's in our looking that we're lulled back to sleep and away from the form of love and, and, the, and the power that can grab hold of us and change us and we're led away to other forms of love and power that capture our attention. It's what the scriptures call the, we're drawn back into the natural realm where other forms of love and power are at work and because they are the ones most often felt, those are the ones we most often believe. These are the forms of power that lead to the things that we pray to God to take away, which is the fear and the anxiety and the violence and the just plain meanness. But Easter reminds us to look away and stop fixing our eyes there and look to Jesus. And remember joy. Everybody say joy. joy. See, because joy is not happiness. Joy is a sense of of settled contentment. Joy is a satisfaction. Joy is not a feel-good moment. Joy is not a feel-good thing. Joy is something much deeper than that in the midst of the not-feel-good things we live in. Here's why I say that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. We look away from the natural realm. Come on now, we look away. We wake up and we look away from the forms of power and love and hope that are found in the land of broken promises that are really just the natural realm that create the fear, that create the anxiety, that create the discontentment and the unrest. In all of the unholy ways, we look away from those things. It says we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's completion. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy. Listen, because Jesus' heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. You know, what kept Jesus on that cross and what that text says kept him in despising the shame was a joy that Jesus had in his heart. And it wasn't a giddy, warm and fuzzy, happy, go lucky, feel good kind of thing. It was a deep, settled contentment. And you want to know what the joy was? Everybody say me. You were his joy. That's what it says. That you were the joy that Jesus had on his heart. As he hung upon a cross and he knew that he was going to get up and he was going to raise up. And even in the midst of suffering, he knew that he was doing this for us. He was doing this for us. It says because this heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. 
And now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God for the joy that was set before him. That was the joy. You were the joy. All of us are his joy. Our liberation is his joy. Our forgiveness is his joy. Our hope is his joy. Our wholeness is his joy. Our love is his joy. Our citizenship in his kingdom is his joy. Our presence coming into his presence is his joy. You are the joy of Jesus. And that is the joy of resurrection. Easter reminds us that this then can become our joy because we are in the presence of the Christ who is closer to us than the breath in our lungs. Even in the midst of the valleys and even while we hang upon our own crosses, there will be that great getting up morning. And we can get up now, but we got to wake up. We got to wake up. Remind us, Lord, to wake up, to see right, to walk right, to love well, to hope fully. Hebrews chapter 12 goes on, the same chapter, and I can't ever read chapter 12. Uh, I can't ever read chapter 12, 1 and 2 without letting the end of it all come into play in chapter 12, verse 28. And it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Because by it, we may serve God fully with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. You know what resurrection tells me? Is that God wants us whole more than we want to be made whole. That God wants us liberated more than we even know our need for liberation. That God wants you to know forgiveness more than you even want to know forgiveness. That God makes, wants us well more than we even imagine our lives being well. That's what resurrection says. And I realize that some of us are living through life and we see what's happening in the world and it's hard to believe sometimes, which is why the early church, even after its belief, led it to giving its life up to save people in the forms of martyrdom. Even the early church that invented hospitals, you know the church invented hospitals, right? Then the church invented workforce development programs, you know the church did that, right? That the church then took the unwanted babies on the hills and the dung hills and in the trash heaps and brought them into their life. You know the church invented orphanages, right? You know that there was a people who took Jesus so seriously that they did this. And so when you sit there and I sit here and think, but my life is so bad, that may be true. But it doesn't change what Christ has done on the cross. Faithfulness of God is not hinge on our feelings. Thanks be to God. But we don't have to deny our feelings. We can take them to the cross. But just remember, Sunday's coming. It's always coming. It's always coming for the believer. Always. It's never not going to come. You can't get up. You can't wake up. You can't rise up. Because you can come to the table of the Lord every week. He is risen. Even when I don't feel like it, He is risen. Even when it seems dark, He is risen. Even when I feel like I'm bearing a big old cross, He is risen. Even when I'm on the mountaintop and I feel as good as I've ever felt, He is risen. He is risen 
And there is nothing that's going to change it. There is a bloodstained cross and an empty tomb that has made the promise that God wants us whole more than we want to be made whole. The only question is, do we believe it? Let's wake up. Let's get up. Let's rise up. Let's live up. Let's level up so we can do that. Let's come to the table where the Christ welcomes us. Because what Christ has done is he's built a bigger table. He has built a table big enough for all of us. What I love about the table is that Jesus took table with the friends who were going to abandon him. So if you've ever abandoned Jesus, Jesus welcomes you to the table. Jesus took table with a man who was going to betray him. So if you've ever betrayed Jesus, you are welcome to the table. There is no one in this place and in this world that is beyond the reach of God's grace and beyond the power of resurrection. There is no one that is not invited to this table. So, beloved, I invite you. Come. Come to the table of the Lord. Come to the table that is prepared for you. Because the Christ who is risen is the gracious host of the table. Church, he is risen. He is risen indeed. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.